Well, praise the Lord. Well, glory. How about that? On Christ the solid rock I stand, and I trust that's where you're standing today as well. But we have a sad day today, and um, sad day in our community, uh, especially in three parishes uh, that have been significantly affected. And I think we as a church, um, what I want to get you to do before we get into the message this morning um, is to understand the significance of what happened. Uh, we have some today uh, that fell victims to the shooting. Um, we lost one of our state troopers. Um, I mean, my heart just, um, you just, you find yourself at a loss of words a lot of times just for the evil that we find ourselves living in today. And I think we as a church, and one of the things that I want us to do is I want us to all stand together this morning. And um, I want us to pray for our community. I want us to pray for the victims, um, for the state trooper who, who, who gave his life, who lost his life uh, in this. And, uh, but more than that, and this is going to be tough for some people to swallow, but I think we need to as well. We need to pray for the one who did it because his heart needs to be touched by Jesus Christ. That's the way things will change. And so this morning as we lift up all of these to the Lord in prayer, I want you to pray as I pray. And uh, just, ask, just ask God. Uh, my prayer out of all of this is there will be those who will come to know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. But for us to understand and realize the day that we live in today, and how, how brief life can be when we leave the house in the morning not knowing if we'll return back that evening. So the important thing about all of that is, is where is our trust and faith at? Is it in the solid rock of Jesus Christ? Let's bow our heads together as we pray. Father, we come to you today in a, in a very difficult time for our communities. And Father, just for the evil um, that is so prevalent today. And so Father, we lift up specifically today those families that were affected by this evil act. And so Father, I pray today that your presence would be very real in those those families lives and father my prayer is through this that they would look to you and that father through this that they would place their trust and faith in you father we pray for the state troopers family that lost his life father I pray that you would be with them Father, I pray that you would provide in their heart and life what only you can. And then, Father, for the one that was injured, uh, Father, we pray for his, for his speedy recovery today. And then, Father, we pray for this young man who committed this evil. Father, I pray today for his heart and for his soul. Father, I pray that 
that through the gospel, his heart and life might be changed. And so, Father, we just bring this very difficult time and place it into your hands. And, Father, look to you because it's in you where we find our strength. And, Father, we ask all of this in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. You can be seated. Let's go to Philippians chapter number 4, beginning in verse number 10. And it's interesting that as we come to the end of Paul's letter, we find him dealing with the issue of contentment. Contentment. How do you you find contentment? All through his letter, beginning in chapter 1, one of the things that Paul has done all through the book of Philippians is to deal with the subject of joy and now as he moves to the end of his letter now he's going to associate this joy with contentment as well and the question that we all have to deal with in our own hearts and lives is the is the subject and the issue of contentment how do we find contentment and I will say this contentment is one of those highly prized and sought after places in life today People are looking for contentment. They're looking to be able to find contentment somewhere. And here's what they do. They look for and they pursue this contentment in areas that and in places that they're not going to find it. And the reason that they're not going to find it is because they're all temporary. Every place that they're looking is temporary. So what we're going to do today is we're going to take this letter of of Paul that he wrote to the church at Philippi and what we're going to do is we're going to we're going to put some meat to it and how should we look at life how should we look at life every day how could Paul in the closing of this letter speak so highly about the own the contentment that he had with inside of his own life and the contentment that he had with inside of himself especially being in prison And let me tell you something, one of the things when you go and you read about Paul and his time in prison, it wasn't over for Paul, and Paul did not see it that way. Matter of fact, one of the the things that we find, even when Paul was in prison, those who came by to see him, those that would be brought to him, the guard that was on him 24 hours a day, seven days a day, all of those he looked at every one of those as an opportunity to share the love of Jesus Christ how do you do that in the most difficult of life circumstances where do you find the contentment and the joy that Paul has because when you come to verse number 10 it's interesting to see where Paul is going to draw this from. And I'll, let me make another comment here about contentment in the world that we live in today. It is impossible in the fallen world that we live in today to be completely free from the difficulties of life. It's just not going to happen. The life that we live today, the world that we live in today, we live in a fallen world and there are difficulties, there are evil as we just witnessed and saw. And none of us are exempt from any of it. So how do you find true contentment and true joy? Well, as Paul concludes his letter, here's what he's going to do. He's going to express his gratitude to the church at Philippi. 
for all that was done on his behalf. And when you look at verse number 10, notice what he says. He says, but after everything Paul has just written, as he comes to the end of the letter, he says, but he said, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at last you have revived your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned before, but you lacked opportunity. In other words, here's what, here's what Paul is writing. He said, I understand that there were times that were just not, you were not able, that was not convenient for you to be able to contribute to, to my calls and to my ministry and the things that were going on. He said, I understand that. And he said, I fully appreciate that. But he says it in verse number 11, he said, not that I speak from want. And he makes it very clear. Paul makes it very plain here. Not that I speak from want. He said, because I've learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. How do you get to that point in life? How could Paul get to that point? Paul said he was perfectly content. He said, I rejoiced in you greatly. Even in the times that you were able to contribute to to me to the ministry to those things that i was a part of and then there were times that you were not able to but paul said i'm perfectly content and here's what he said i'm perfectly content in whatever circumstances i am to paul it didn't make any difference what the circumstances were he was content but the the key to this passage though is what do you mean by contentment what contentment is it that paul is talking about here where do you find that in your heart and life to where you become content regardless of what your circumstances may be and i will say that it, for us that's difficult to do because when we find ourselves not in a good place or not in a good situation it's very easy for us to say you know if i had this i i wouldn't be here if i had this i wouldn't i wouldn't be in this situation or if i just had this and had access to all of this i wouldn't be in this place or in this situation well my dear friend let me tell you something you're not going to find true contentment and joy in things in the temporal things of this life because the more of that you have the more of it you need because in order to have and maintain that level of contentment it means having to increase it on a regular basis now i want you to kind of get a picture here of what's taking place as paul's writing this letter 10 years have passed since paul's missionary journey and the starting of the church at philippi matter of fact he left philippi and went to macedonia and from macedonia he went on to thessalonica and then to berea and then on to athens and then on to corinth and so as Paul was associated with those journeys and those different churches that he was associated with and all of that that was taking place, Paul's contentment that you're going to find in him writing this letter did not come from stuff. It did not come from prestige. It did not come from power. But it came from a deep desire in the heart of Paul to glorify God and enjoy Him forever that's where his contentment came from that's where his joy came from not in outside circumstances not in what was taking place not in whether or not the church at philippi was going to be able to attend to all of his needs on a regular basis not whether anything temporary was going to be sustained on a full regular basis because paul's content was not there 
Paul's content was in glorifying God and then being a part of that relationship and enjoying God forever throughout his life. And I have a question for you today. Do you seek each day, and this is where the application of this letter comes in, do we seek each day to glorify God in all that we do? In all that we do. And some people say, well, how do you glorify God in work? Aren't you thankful that God gave you the ability to be able to work? He gave you the ability to be able to. Can you glorify God in your work? You should. Matter of fact, you ought to be exemplary in what you do employment-wise. In our community, can we glorify God in our community? We can. Can we be a light? Can we be what is necessary in the world that we live in today, in the community that we live in today? Yes, we can. A matter of fact, when you go back and you study the days of the early church, one of the things, one of those characteristics that you find of the early church, early on, that had such an impact on the community around them was their love for the poor, their love for the widows and the widowers, their love for those other believers. It was, it was, it was seen in their love for each other and for one another. And matter of fact, here's what Jesus said. Jesus said, you'll know you're my disciples, or the world will know that you're my disciples because of the love that you have for one another. And so do we have that? We live in a world today that is, that is just, it's running amok, okay, and just evil in the culture that we find ourselves in. And I will say this to you today. What the world needs to see is what true contentment means, what true joy means, what it means to live in the light and of the relationship that we have with Jesus Christ and that God is glorified in our lives regardless of what the circumstances may be. Now, I will say this to you. Uh, that's a lot easier to preach about. It's a lot easier to teach about than it is to actually walk every day but here's something we find when you look at verse 12 and verse 13 paul learned by experience and spiritual maturity in his own life to live above his circumstances that comes with spiritual maturity as you grow in christ the more that you read and study the word of god and the more god becomes a part of your life and who you are from your spiritual maturity as you grow in the grace and the knowledge of our lord and savior jesus christ here's what happens we tend to be able to live above our circumstances a little bit better. I hate to say this, it's definitely not a testimony for the prosperity gospel, folks. Look at verse 12 and verse 13. I know how to get along with humble means. And I also know how to live in prosperity. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry both of having abundance and suffering need. And then, of course, verse 13, that we all use so often, I can do all things through Christ or through him who strengthens me. Now do you get the context of verse 13? Paul said, I learned that. How did he learn that? Paul learned that through the circumstances of life he learned that through his relationship with God he learned it through his relationship with Jesus Christ 
because he understood and realized where that true contentment and where that true joy was coming from because he said in times of prosperity in times of humble means in every circumstance Paul said it didn't make any difference he said I've learned the secret of being filled and going hungry both of having abundance and suffering need Paul said it does not matter in any of those circumstances where I found myself I knew exactly what it meant to be content my question today do you do you know how to be content let me tell you something when the hurricane hit and the next day I got up to go see what the outcome was because I don't know about you but it sounded like the roof was coming off the house I didn't know if there'd be anything left when we got outside or not got outside walked all the way around the house looked at everything on the house and oh by the way there's no power there's no internet there's no water there's no nothing but the sun was shining and it was still a little breezy so I looked all, we looked all around the house walked all around the house and looked at the roof and it was all still intact wasn't a shingle lifted up anywhere and I looked around and there weren't any trees pulled up by the root balls laying out in the middle of all of those oaks and I remember the first words out of my mouth was praise the Lord how blessed we were but then I walked out into the driveway and I started up the road and I didn't get very far and I saw the pine trees as they were laid across the road and now all of a sudden it dawned on me, hey, guess what? We can't get out of here. No power, no water, can't get out. So what do we do? Well, let me tell you what we did. I said, Lord, don't know how we're going to do this. All of a sudden up at the other end, we hear a guy on an excavator. And he's up there, boy, and he's, he, he's slinging stuff off the road. And I'm thinking... Man, what did, wouldn't it be nice to have one of them toys? Huh? So we go up there and we crawl over nine pine trees to get up to where he is. Big ones. He said, I'll tell you guys something. He said, if you can cut those things up in 20-foot lengths for me, he said, I'll clear the road. You got a deal. So myself and... Uh, some others and a couple other neighbors down there got the chainsaws out cranked them bad boys up and we started cutting we cut them things up and he walked down there with that excavator and he just shoved them all out of the road and then we were able to drive out and get on the main road couldn't go far after you got out there either okay <laughs> but praise the lord yeah we had a storm could we see God in the storm? Did we watch him work? Yeah, I tell you what, this place was taken over for a month. Helping to meet the needs of the community. Not only here, but even south of here. People in need. And my dear friend, even in circumstances which absolutely seemed dire, without power for 10 days, 
I tell you what, I've never filled a generator so much with gasoline in all my life. But I'll tell you something else it makes you appreciate. It makes you appreciate some of those things that we have in life, like water and electricity and all of those things that God has greatly blessed us with. Could we still be content? Could we still have joy? Yes, and let me tell you why. Because contentment and joy does not lie in things. And things like that shouldn't be able to take it from us at all. So here's, 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 here's Paul. So where was he? Take your Bibles and turn with me to Acts chapter number 9. Acts chapter number 9. This is after... his conversion on the road to Damascus in Acts chapter number 9 and I want you to notice beginning in verse 22 now this this is not a long period of time here after his conversion but we come to verse 22 it's, it's Paul is, is growing Saul, okay, here as he's growing in this new walk with Christ. I want you to notice verse 22. But Saul kept increasing in strength and confounding the Jews who lived at Damascus by proving that this Jesus is the Christ. When many days had elapsed, the Jews plotted together to do away with him. But their plot became known to Saul and they were also watching the gates day and night so that they might put him to death. But his disciples took him by night and led him down through an opening in the wall, lowering him in a large basket. Boy, I tell you what, what a way to start your life as a new believer. Sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Affirming that Jesus is the Christ. And now for the one who was persecuting the church before, now has become the persecuted. He's on the other side of that coin. And how is it when, when you look at it? And from here, from Acts chapter 9, all the way to the end of his life, it is met with difficulty. It is met with suffering. It is met with turmoil. It is met with prison. It is met with stoning. It is met with all of those. But how could Paul keep going? I'll tell you how. It's because of the contentment that he had and the joy that he had in the relationship that he had with Jesus Christ. Because nothing was more important to him at that point in time save the gospel of Jesus Christ and what was taking place in his life. His suffering came as a result of that relationship. One of the verses that has just been a part of my life from the, from the, from the time that I gave my heart and life to Jesus Christ is found in Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20 where it said I'm crucified with Christ nevertheless I live yet not I but Christ lives within me in the life that I now live in the flesh I live by the faith of the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me that's where contentment comes from it's in that relationship knowing that what we see and experience and live in here is temporary this is all going away. 
The question that we have to answer today, are we making eternal investments today? Are we so busy making temporary investments that we lose the very reason that we're here? It's eternal. It's eternal. This is not all that there is. What we see around us today, and Paul knew that. In 2 Corinthians chapter number 12, we find as Paul makes this statement beginning in verse number 7. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7 through verse 10, he said, Because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations for this reason, to keep me from exalting myself, there was given me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me, to keep me from exalting myself. Concerning this, I implored the Lord three times that it might leave me. And he said to me, and this is, this, okay. And many use this on a regular basis, and here's what they say. It doesn't make any difference where I am because the Word of God tells me that my grace is sufficient for me. I want you to understand where Paul is at this point in time. Not only did Paul have to experience all of those things about being in the position that he was on his missionary journey sharing the gospel and all of those things but he also had another issue he had to deal with every single day and he prayed and he asked God three times to remove it this thorn in the flesh I don't know for sure what it is no one can be dogmatic in what it was we don't know for sure what it was that, that Paul had the issue that he had but let me share one thing with you today. It was a daily issue for Paul. But he never lost sight of where his contentment and his joy came from. Even in spite of the issue. And then in Ephesians chapter 3 verse 14 through verse 16. We find another one that just gives us a description of what was going on in Paul's own life. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14 through verse 16. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14 through verse 16. He said, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father. The humility and the reverence on the, on the, on the part of Paul. For whom every family in heaven, the family of believers and on earth derives its name. That he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man. And then look over at verse number 20. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Jesus Christ or in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. How could he do that? How was he able to do that? I'll tell you why. Because Paul's joy and contentment did not depend on anyone or anything other than his relationship with Jesus Christ. And that's where it came from. That's where he found it. Let me ask you a question. How do you keep going today? It just seems like the world just gets worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. It seems like 
society gets worse and worse and worse and worse it seems like culture is absolutely spinning out of control how do you keep going i'll tell you how it's all predicated in the relationship that you have today who is that relationship with the world or with jesus christ can only be one of those two there is no in between so who where are you today how do you see the world that you live in today how do we be today in the world that we find ourselves what god desires us to be you see here's what paul said in ephesians god's power that indwells believers is far more sufficient to strengthen and to to sustain us in the world and in any trial that we find ourselves in today what happens when the doctor tells you there's nothing else he can do for you what happens when you may lose your job with no fault of your own but you lose your job what happens when i I mean i could just go on and on with a list at the end of the day what keeps us moving forward what keeps us content and joy inside of our hearts regardless of how difficult the circumstances could be around us on the outside and my dear friend let me share something with you this morning i am not standing up here to try to paint a picture to you like i have absolute contentment and joy every single minute every single hour of every single day because i will tell you when i heard what was going on yesterday in our community all the way back to Friday night and all that's been going on in the world, I'm going to tell you something. I stepped back and I said, how much worse can it get? I don't think we've seen what's coming. But what do we choose to do with it? Let's go, to back, let's go back to Philippians chapter 4. That was all introduction to get to the end of the letter. Verse 14. Paul writes, nevertheless. 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 We find ourselves here in a transition in the letter. To his closing. And let me tell you what he's getting ready to do. He's getting ready to transition off of himself and on to others. He's getting ready to transition off of himself and on to others. He said, nevertheless, and notice what he tells the church at Philippi, you have done well. You've done well to share with me in my affliction. You've done well to share with me. Verse 15, he said, You yourselves also know, Philippians, that at the first preaching of the gospel, after I left Macedonia, no church, no church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving. And, and notice what he says, but you alone. He said, you were faithful. Writing to the church at Philippi, he said, no one came to my support except you. 
Paul is commending them for that. But Paul has now moved his attention off of himself on to the church at Philippi. Verse 16, For even in Thessalonica you sent a gift more than once for my needs. Then look at verse 17. Not that I seek the gift itself. (laughs) Folks, listen to me. It's not about the gift. Notice what Paul says next. He said, but I seek for the profit which increases to your account. He said, I seek for the profit that comes to your account. Let me tell you what Paul's focused on here. He is, listen, he is focused on that that is eternal, not temporal. I appreciate the gift. But more than anything else and more important than anything else, my desire is what it has as far as eternal ramifications are concerned to your account see our desire today ought to be for those things that are eternal to our eternal account and then in verse 18 he said but I have received everything in full and have an abundance (laughs) Paul said let me tell you what Paul basically says here Paul said I got more than I need how many of us here today have more than we need All right, how many of you guys don't feel like you got enough toys yet? Anybody? Man, nobody's raising their hand. Are y'all participating or what? How many of y'all really? Now, let's be honest and truthful here. I know we're sitting in church and we don't want to be pious, okay? Fellas and ladies. How many of you right now, there are some things on your heart and in your mind you'd just like to have? Oh, look at all the hands go up. See, I knew. Okay, I already knew it. Are you ready for this? God knew it too. That's right. Who knows? He may give it to you. But at the end of the day, what if we don't get them? He says in the next part of verse 18, he said, I am amply, okay, supplied. Notice, he brings back up his friend. Having received from Epaphroditus. See, if you remember back to chapter number 2, Paul had already mentioned Epaphroditus. So he mentions him again. Having received from Epaphroditus what you have sent a fragrant aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. Because they gave. Not out of abundance, but they gave to help supply the need of Paul. And then, of course, Philippians 4.19. How many of us have used that more times than we could ever begin to think but my God shall supply or and my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus 
What a statement that Paul makes. What a statement he makes. Because here's what he knew. Here's what he knew. At the end of the day, God was going to take care of his need. See, here's what he knew. If our Heavenly Father is concerned to the point that when a sparrow falls from the sky, he knows it. The lilies of the field don't have to clothe themselves. They've been clothed by God Himself. The birds are taking care of creation is given and taken care of if our heavenly father is that concerned for creation itself how much more would he be for us how much more would he be for us as Paul understood very clearly he understood the context when he said, My God shall supply all of our need according to His riches in Christ Jesus. That's key. Because I'll tell you something. Paul drew, Paul knew, Paul understood that God's sustaining grace comes to believers because of our relationship with Jesus Christ. That's how it comes. And let me share something else with you this morning. I want you to listen to this words. It's called sustaining grace. Now you'll understand why in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7, that's why Paul was able to say, this is what he was told, my grace is sufficient for you. It is God's sustaining grace that comes as a result of the relationship that we have through Jesus Christ. That's why it's sustained. Now we can understand the significance of what Paul wrote. Sustaining grace. Not grace just for this minute, but it's sustaining grace. Knowing at the end of the day what is ahead of us. Character, worship, fellowship, joy, and resources of believers. Now listen to that. Character, worship, fellowship, joy, and resources of believers all flow from Christ. That's where it comes from. Because of our relationship with Jesus Christ, we have the Holy Spirit who lives within inside of us. And as a result of the Holy Spirit that lives within inside of us, when we surrender and submit ourselves to the leading of the Holy Spirit, therefore, we see the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, meekness, faith. Against such there is no law. But how do we see each day? How do we live each day? How do we get through each day? think it's not difficult for us to see in the closing of Paul's letter I want you to notice beginning in verse 20 he says now to our God and Father be the glory forever and ever amen greet every saint in Christ Jesus greet every in other words greet every believer in Christ and oh by the way the brethren who are with me greet you as well 
He said, and all the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. Even to the point Roman government was, Roman rule was where Paul was. Not only was Paul Jew, not only was he a Roman citizen, he, was, he understood this. And, and, and I want you to notice him. How could he? How could he come to the point that he says to greet those, especially those of Caesar's household, those who had become of the way, who had become Christians, even within that arena, Paul said to greet them as well. And then verse 23. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. So how do you summarize all that? How do you draw all of that together? I believe Paul already gave us that statement. Go back to chapter 1 and look at verse 21. I think you'll see it chapter 1 and verse 21 some of y'all can quote it Philippians chapter 1 and verse 21 for me to live is Christ for me to live is Christ and to die is what is gain for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Let me tell you how Paul was able to, to that to be a part of his life because Paul's contentment and his joy was not based upon stuff, prestige, power, or any of those things. It was based solely. His contentment and his joy was based solely on his relationship with Jesus Christ. And it didn't make any difference where he was, to make any difference where he found himself. That's where he found it. So I want to ask you a question today. Where do you find yours? Even when situations are tough, even when we find ourselves without, even when we find ourselves in the middle of difficult situations, Where's our contentment and joy? Does that mean you're always happy? No. But can you still be content? Can you still have joy? And you can if it's found in Jesus Christ and Him alone. Amen? Let's stand together with our heads bowed and our eyes closed this morning. Every head bowed and every eye closed. No one looking around. I just want to ask you a question. Are you content today? Are you truly content? Let me ask you another question. Do you have peace in your heart? Do you have joy in your heart? Let me, let me, let me ask it to you this way. Do you know who you are today? Do you know who you are? Who you really are? today now I want to ask you another question have you been born again 
Do you know Jesus Christ today as your personal Savior? If you don't, I can tell you the only way that you will understand what Paul wrote here and to the degree of contentment and joy is through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And you can have that today. But that choice is up to you. When we realize how sinful we are before a holy God and to know that God loved us so much that he sent his own son to pay a payment that you and I could never pay. And are you ready for this? Simply because he loves you. Simply because he loves you. And when you realize that, you realize that there is no way on your own you could ever, could ever have the peace and the contentment and the joy because you won't have it apart from him. Here's what's necessary. Understanding that I'm a sinner is to cry out to God and say, God, I realize I'm a sinner. I realize that there's nothing within inside of me that could ever possibly bring me to the point to bring you into favor, to bring me into favor with you, except through your son, Jesus Christ. And I ask you today to forgive me of my sin. I place my trust and faith in you and you alone. Based upon the promise of the word of God that you would hear and you would answer. Here's the biggest part. Here's the biggest struggle that you'll have. And if the Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart this morning, the biggest struggle that you will have is to say yes. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this letter to the church at Philippi written by Paul. Inspired through the very Holy Spirit. And as Paul penned these words, Father, may we today understand what it means in our lives today to have contentment and joy and peace that comes through a relationship with Jesus Christ that is eternal. And Father, for us to get our focus off of things that are temporary, that you become the priority in our lives. Father, I pray for that one that may be here this morning that needs Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. I pray for them specifically today that the Holy Spirit of God would bring conviction in their heart and they would see and understand your grace. And today, they'd give their heart and life to you. And Father, I pray for all of those that are here this morning that are believers who struggle with life each day. To see that contentment and joy and peace is found in their relationship with you. Father, this time we place into your hands. and Pray and ask for nothing more than your will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. May your word accomplish today what you intend for it to and not us. And we ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. As we sing together as Brother Red leads us. If I can encourage your heart this morning, if you're here and need Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, I would encourage you to meet me up here at the front this morning. 
I'd love to talk to you about that or whatever other need you may have. Why don't you come this morning as we sing this together, Brother Red. Take up thy cross and follow me. I heard my master say, I gave my life to ransom thee, surrender Just remind everyone there are five ways to give. They are on the screen for you to see that, or at home you can see that. But this is the time of our service where we give back to the Lord as part of our worship. As we worship in song and as we worship through the preaching of the word, we also worship through giving. So I encourage everyone to pray and to give unto the Lord. Father God in heaven, we come before you. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for this day. Father, we thank you for the many trials that we may face, Father God, but may we count it all joy, Father. Father, as we come to the time of offering, Father God, may we give to you because you've already given so much for us, Father God. May you bless the giver. May you bless the work that will be accomplished through the tithe, Father. May you be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen.
remember listening to Chris. I don't know how long it's been now. I mean, time has just kind of taken on a whole different perspective. But I remember he used to come into the auditorium and he'd sit down at the piano and he'd just he'd just kind of start to pick out. I guess at home it was that way probably too as he was trying to pick through it. And, but I tell you what, uh, what a blessing uh, to have him play for us. While Miss Jenny continued to pray for Miss Jenny, uh, Brother Johnny, uh, also for Jesse uh, Swick. Uh, they're also going to be leaving us. They're going to be moving. He's being transferred, and so they'll be leaving next month in uh, November, but she has been battling the virus, and so pray for them. And uh, the list just goes on. If you would please pray for uh, my wife. Her mom had a heart attack about two weeks ago. Her one sister also had a heart attack, and her sister that lives in Atlanta had one too, passed out. They put a pacemaker in Friday. She ran into some complications, and they did surgery back on her again yesterday. And uh, so just, just pray for We just got a lot to pray for. And uh, just to lift up, Miss Joanne had surgery on this past Thursday and uh, came home on Friday. And I understand that she is doing well. And so let's continue to pray for Miss Joanne and uh, all of the others that we have. Amen. I'm going to ask you to stand together with me. We'll be back tonight. Uh, it's 6 o'clock, and uh, we will be looking at some of the reasons why the early church seemed to have flourished at its beginning. And uh, so I would encourage you to be here for that tonight. Now, closing out the letter of the church at Philippi. One of the things that Paul wrote in the letter, he said, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say Rejoice. So on the count of three, before we leave here today, that's what I want us to leave here today with. Amen? So on the count of three, one, two, three. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say, Really? Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say, Rejoice. Really? Let's try it one more time. One. Uh, listen, here's what you got to do. I want you to reach down to your toes. And let it come from your toes up, okay? Here you go. One, two, three. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice.